0: Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey
1: everyone, it's Major Garrett, and welcome to our new podcast. Did you know we have a new feed completely separate from the takeout as well? Please, just search Debriefing the Briefing. Click subscribe, and then if you can, and we'd really love this, drop us a rating and or a review. Pretty soon, you'll have to be subscribed to the new feed if you want to hear new episodes of Debriefing the Briefing. Thank you. And now let's start the show. My fellow Americans, I
0: proudly present to you Congressman Gerald Ford of Michigan. My My choice for the vice presidency presidency
1: is Senator Dan Quayle of
0: Indiana. This is the next vice president of the United States of America, Senator Al Gore of Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my running mate, Dick Cheney.
1: Let me introduce to you the next vice president of the United States of America, Joe Biden. From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Campaign. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett. Hello from Washington, I'm Major Garrett. And yes, you heard that right, Debriefing the Campaign. What we've decided to do every Saturday is bring you the week's most important news in politics, because... In the COVID-19 new normal, there's so much necessary emphasis on the news from the White House, from governors, from science, all the realms of adaptation of dealing with COVID-19 at the national, state, local level, the human level. But there's also a political campaign going on of massive importance. So every Saturday, debriefing the campaign, we'll take a look at all the most important developments there with CBS News political correspondent Ed O'Keefe. So, Ed, uh, welcome. It's great to have you with us in this new endeavor of ours. Uh, Let's talk about former Vice President Joe Biden and his process, which I gather picked up some steam recently to pick a running mate.
0: Yeah, uh, and great to be with you as we uh, launch this uh, new endeavor. Uh, and uh, that, in essence, is what Joe Biden is doing. He has to launch uh, the process of picking his number two. And as a past number two, he knows a thing about, a thing or two about what he'd like in a number two. And uh, we believe, or we've been told, and he has said, that in the coming days, he will set a group of individuals that will help him essentially vet. And interview his various choices for potential running mate. A list that we expect to include a handful of governors, lawmakers and former lawmakers at the state level uh, and possibly a wild card or two that we just haven't anticipated. But the one thing he has vowed and he's unlikely to turn around at this point is that he will pick a woman which sets up the Democratic Party to have its first female uh, vice presidential nominee since 1984, when Geraldine Ferraro, of course, served with Walter Mondale.
1: And I want to play some sound for the audience from Vice President Biden's appearance recently on the James Corden show. This is where he, I think, in a way that can be only described as unequivocal, talks about not only the qualities, but the gender of this running mate pick.
0: The first and most important quality is someone who, if I were, walked away immediately from the office for whatever reason, that they could be president. And the public look at that person and say she is capable of being president of the United States tomorrow.
1: So, Ed, that seems to me to be consistent with what he said, but also something that he cannot reevaluate at this point.
0: Exactly. Uh, and this is somebody who, who doesn't de- speak in declarative ways too often. So that's about, as you said, as about as declarative as he gets. Uh, And by using the she there, makes it clear that it will be a woman. Uh, It all, you know, rolls from there. Does he want uh, a younger woman? Does he want an older woman? Does he want someone from the Midwest? Does he want someone with executive or legislative experience? Is there somebody that perhaps has some relevant experience to economic recovery or public health that suddenly emerges because of coronavirus? Uh, Or is it just somebody that he likes? You know, he has said over and over again in his public comments about this that they have to be, and he uses the word, simpatico with each other. And uh, he says, look, that's that's what worked out with uh, President Obama and I, that we not only had lunch together every week and I was the last guy in the room, but we became genuine friends. And so we'll see who that kind of person would be. This is somebody who's quite insular, uh, keeps close counsel with just a handful of people, many of them either marital or blood relatives. And so if he's going to find somebody that can penetrate that close circle, uh, it's going to be uh, Quite, quite quite, something for him to do that.
1: I'm sure you know uh, the conversations around the campaign, within the campaign, and from those who want to be heard by the campaign, an ongoing debate about the ethnicity of this running mate. Uh, does it necessarily have to be an African-American because the African-American community, through its votes and its support of Vice President Biden, not only catapulted him into relevance, but catapulted him into the position he finds himself in now as the presumptive nominee.
0: And since 1972, at least 86% of African American women have voted for the Democratic candidate for president. How's that for a factoid? Uh, that is the kind of data that's being lunged at the Biden team and saying, "Look, you know, we have been the most supportive element." of the Democratic coalition, some call it the backbone of the party. At least when it comes to presidential contests, we deserve to be rewarded with putting somebody in a position that could potentially catapult them one day into the White House, either after Biden runs or if, God forbid, something happens to him. And and you know that is certainly a, a powerful argument and one that will resonate with him, given how his fortunes turned around so quickly in South Carolina. However, The contrarian argument to that is, well, if he's doing well enough as it is with African Americans, is there some other group that may need to be uh, buoyed a bit by somebody else on the ticket? And you can have the debate over whether that running mate ever has a big influence on the race, but... You know, should it be somebody from the Midwest? Should it be uh, a governor of whom there are no uh, African-American women currently serving as governor? Certainly a lot of mayors and a lot of uh, others in in other executive positions, but not as a governor. Uh, Could it be a Latina? There are two said to be considered, Nevada's Catherine Cortez Masto and New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Uh, I had a report out late this week about a poll that was done by a group that has uh, done a lot of work with Democrats in the past. that shows that his support among Latinos right now is a little soft but that if he were to put Catherine Cortez Masto, the senator from Nevada, the first Hispanic woman to serve in the Senate, on the ticket, enthusiasm would jump considerably and might help him in places like Nevada, Arizona, uh, maybe even places like North Carolina and Texas that have growing percentages of Hispanic voters. So those are the kinds of things he's going to have to weigh as this process plays out through July.
1: Embedded in your evaluation there, Ed, was a key point, which is to say, Nothing in our experience, nothing in the academic studying of this process has ever rendered a judgment that the vice presidential pick, meaning the running mate, is decisive in the outcome of the election. It is a significant story. It's a significant point of curiosity. It does demonstrate how decisions are made, but in the end, it is the nominee against the alternative, straight up. However, it does strike me that in this particular scenario, Because Joe Biden will be in his mid to late 70s, the question of whether one term or ability to carry out a full term or a full two terms looms very, very large. And that this choice may not be just viewed as a choice that's a part of a process. How did he make it? How did he explain it? How do they look? But whoa, this person could literally be the next president.
0: And that was the calculation, let's remember, back in 2008 with John McCain. Remember, there was concern then, and he was in his younger 70s, that uh, he could be picking his potential successor. Uh, and, And you argue that nobody has really ever helped win the presidency because they were the vice presidency. There's certainly those that have hurt. Uh, Tom Eagleton back in the day, the brief time he spent on the ticket, uh, but also Sarah Palin in 2008. There were questions about whether McCain had misjudged on what is essentially the first presidential decision someone makes. Who do you want your partner to be, given how inexperienced and she proved to be uh, early on? So, uh, yes, but I think in the case of Biden, because he's been a little more explicit. Uh, that he can't necessarily guarantee running for a second term. He has to be thinking that this person could potentially be the Democratic nominee, or at least the front runner in 2024, uh, or certainly uh, in 2028, were he to run for two terms.
1: I also want to ask you about the Supreme Court, because as a candidate, Donald Trump did something unusual, never been done before. He put together a list of people he said he would choose from if he became President of the United States. That played a significant role in. The minds of some marginally aligned republicans that was kind of a you know what i know what he's going to do i care about the court i don't trust hillary clinton on that i may have a lot of misgivings about donald trump the candidate but that's going to help solidify me i wrote about wrote about that in great detail in my book mr trump's wild ride there's some on the left the progressive left they self-call themselves who want joe biden to do the same where are we on that
0: uh it has certainly been Bandied about is something he should consider doing, Uh, but both he and other people who ran for president on the Democratic side have not committed to doing so. Uh, They just have a different view of whether or not that is something that should be discussed so openly in advance. Because remember, a lot of people criticized Trump for doing it. And yet, of course, it helped him with his base. The only thing Biden has said definitively, again, uh, there is a little bit of definition, is that he wants to put a black woman on the Supreme Court. So then the argument is, okay, well, give us a list then of maybe 10 black women who could conceivably serve. Uh, the one that gets mentioned is... Uh, is. Uh, uh I believe it is Sharon Eiffel, Gwen Eiffel, the late Gwen Eiffel's cousin, who uh, is an NAACP official. Uh, She's certainly somebody that comes up. There are some other federal and state judges out west uh, that get mentioned as well. Where Biden seems potentially more willing to disclose names, interestingly enough, is in potential senior government or cabinet officials. People that might be tapped to serve in his government were he to... Win not only win the nomination, which we expect them to do now, but then win the White House. The risk there, of course, is we start digging into that person's past or their positions or start asking them questions about how they might serve that create distractions from uh, the campaign itself and from the candidate himself, given that a lot of those people would potentially be public figures versus judges that aren't normally up for press inquiries.
1: Exactly. And that was one of the things that the Trump campaign briefly considered. Well, if you put out a list... First, you'll have people who are angry that they're not on the list, and some of the names on the list might create controversy, but as we all learned, in retrospect and in the real time, Donald Trump was more than capable of creating his own controversy, and uh, the list didn't become any kind of albatross in any sort of way, and as I mentioned, solidified some support as he first became nominee and then approached the presidency itself, Uh, Let's actually listen to President Trump, because he said a couple of things at the April 23rd White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing about former Vice President Biden. Let's play something about him being in the basement.
0: We have a sleepy guy in a basement of a house that the press is giving a free pass to, who doesn't want to do debates because of COVID. And lots of things are happening, right? And I watched a couple of interviews, and I see oh, I look forward to this, but they're keeping him sheltered because of the coronavirus.
1: Keeping him sheltered. Uh, is this a problem for the Biden campaign? Is it struggling with relevance in this, ter- uh, this time of COVID-19?
0: Yes and no. Overall, he maintains a single-digit lead over the president in polling done nationally. And done in some critical swing states. There were some Fox surveys out this week from Michigan and Pennsylvania that give him a single digit lead or within within uh, single digits. Uh, Another one from Florida that also showed it being a competitive race. Uh, But if you look at a Wall Street Journal NBC poll that went out last weekend, it shows Biden leading nationally nationally. The president's coronavirus numbers uh, pretty much in the toilet. However, Biden had a lower level of approval on the issue of coronavirus than the president because I think it was like 42 percent of people said they didn't know what the former vice president's position was on how to deal with this pandemic and the recovery. So on that issue. He's being blocked out by the White House, by the president. And there is growing concern that if this continues to be issue number one, then the former vice president has to find a way to break through and make clear what he would do, what specifically he's concerned about uh, and how he thinks he'd better lead the country. Not from lack of trying. They are doing it, but it doesn't appear to be breaking through in a big way. Uh, Has Biden said anything
1: about not debating President Trump because of COVID-19?
0: Haven't heard that at all, although that is something that crossed my mind this week. Are they going to have to do this via Zoom, or will they find some TV studio big enough that the two of them can stand at least six feet apart and at least six feet apart from the moderator? We'll see. Uh, Remember, the Commission on Presidential Debates has already laid out the dates and places. Whether or not they actually get held, though, remains to be seen.
1: That's the voice of Ed O'Keefe, CBS News political correspondent. I appreciate his expertise. We'll do this every week with debriefing the campaign. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington.
0: I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us from famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to
1: Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.